Welcome everyone to another episode of Laboratory Considerations from Q Squared Solutions. My name is Chris Connor and I'm your host today. And my guests are Megan McCausland, Scientific Advisor for Flow Cytometry at Q Squared Solutions, and Scott Bornheimer, Associate Director of Medical and Scientific Affairs at BD Biosciences. Welcome to you both. Sure. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Chris. Good to be here. So the topic today is flow cytometry and its possible use as a companion diagnostic. Let's talk about the purpose and the goal of a partnership between a CRO like Q-Squared Solutions and a flow cytometry company like BD. This is Scott. I will just introduce myself. I've been with BD a little over 10 years in research and development and, and medical and scientific affairs working with leaders in pharma and, and academics on new applications of flow cytometry. And one of the things we've seen over the last five to seven years is a real increase in the use of immune biomarkers in exploratory research in pharma clinical trials. This sort of parallels the rise of immune checkpoint blockade therapies and CAR T therapies and so forth. So understanding the immune system is becoming critically important to understanding how new therapies function in patients and which patients might benefit from certain therapies. And as that work has progressed through uh, what we call high dimensional exploratory studies, we're seeing more and more pharma come forward looking for ways to create a simplified standardized flow cytometry test to help with uh, enrolling patients and understanding outcomes in their study. And, and that's really what has brought us to, to look towards um, Q-squared as a potential partner who's extremely active in uh, pharma-driven programs, uh, implementing clinical trials with flow cytometry. Yeah, thanks so much, Scott. I think I'll jump in here, introduce myself, Megan McCausland, Flow Cytometry Advisor at Q-Squared Solutions, where I do have the opportunity to work on a daily basis with our pharma clients to understand their flow cytometry needs to support their clinical trials around the world. And Scott, I think you brought up a really good point about how Flow has positioned itself as, as a critical immune monitoring and biomarker discovery tool in clinical trials. And, you know, as the importance of these cellular biomarkers within this drug development process grows, our clients are looking for us to, to be able to leverage flow cytometry-based assays in their trials, frequently, as you point out, to support exploratory endpoints. Now, these exploratory findings obviously have the potential to translate into laboratory-developed tests that would support higher level endpoints in subsequent trials. So we're seeing an increase in these requests to really take into account the potential for downstream companion diagnostic development. And I think that's one of the main points that, that we're trying to drive home here, right? To incorporate that forward thinking early in the development process, even as early as initial assay design. So you really don't get caught behind the eight ball. You mentioned something that I hear in some of our other podcasts from Q Squared, and that is about global standardization, particularly around flow cytometry. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, it's a good point, Chris. I think what we've done here at, at Q Squared Solutions is, is really built an industry-leading 
global flow cytometry delivery network. Um, this consists of dedicated validation labs along with um, worldwide central biomarker testing labs. And that is exactly what positions us to support the real-time testing of fresh clinical trial samples in a global clinical trial context. Now, when you think about a global flow network, minimizing variability is essential for, for data reproducibility. So we have heavily invested in harmonization and standardization. Our flow cytometry platforms are, are fully redundant, harmonized, and quantitatively standardized. Um, this is, of course, coupled with globally harmonized operating procedures and quality assurance programs. And of course, Q-squared solutions is CAP, CLIA, and ISO 15819 accredited. Yeah, Megan, that was those were really interesting points. And I think what's exciting from our perspective there is we've been working for many years on standardizing the practice of clinical flow cytometry with the instruments, the setup materials, the reagents, and the analysis. And that can be connected to what you're doing in global harmonization to bring those kind of clinical approaches into the clinical trial space. And I think that's where the magic's going to happen around um, opening doors uh, for pharma to, to proceed to clinical trial assays and ultimately we hope to companion diagnostics with flow cytometry. I like where this is going. Let's let's take a deeper dive since we understand the opportunity now. What are the benefits of flow cytometry specifically for these assays? If we think about the approved list of, of companion diagnostics, which I think is sitting around 50 at this point, you'll notice that they're heavily biased towards immunohistochemistry and, and molecular-driven techniques, right? So let's take IHC, immunohistochemistry. Both flow and IHC look at protein biomarkers on cells. But IHC is typically a single marker, although there is some flexibility for multiplexing, but it's not nearly as comprehensive as flow cytometry has the potential to be. Uh, when you take into account the complexity of the immune repertoire, the dynamics of disease and response to treatment, I'd say the presence or absence of any single biomarker really isn't going to paint the full picture. So by allowing for that multi-parameter analysis at the single cell level, flow cytometry as a platform can really generate more accurate and comprehensive assessments. And, and let's not forget that flow can be quantitative. And when I say quantitative, I'm not only referring to the ability to generate absolute cell counts, but also the fact that we can quantify antigen density by quantitating the number of antibody molecules bound to a cell through the use of, of calibrated bead standards. So this is opposed to a simple plus minus subjective call of dim, moderate, or bright expression when it comes to immunohistochemistry. Now, IHC does have the benefit of showing spatial relationships in, in solid tumors uh, in terms of the tumor microenvironment. But when you start to think about hematologic malignancies, so these are the ones that would manifest in the whole blood, in the bone marrow, um, especially the indications that exhibit this high phenotypic diversity, flow cytometry is really best place for multi-parameter analysis because of the heterogeneity of these cell populations. And just to briefly touch on molecular techniques, obviously the multiplexing potential is there, 
But of course, you can't always extrapolate to specific phenotypes. Additionally, you are restricted to analyzing bulk populations. And with flow, you're really able to drill down to that specific population or cell subset of interest. Okay, yeah, Megan, that was a super summary of some of the benefits of flow and contrasting it to other technologies. And I think it's a good time to provide a couple specific examples to make the comments come to life a little bit. Um, a, a study we did uh, with Stanford that was published in, in Nature Medicine really looked at the difference between IHC and quantitative flow cytometry with antigen density measurements in terms of looking at CD19 positivity and expression levels and CAR T response. And it was very interesting because the IHC data had really no relationship of the IHCH score with whether a patient was a responder or a non-responder. Whereas in the quantitative flow cytometry data, you could pull out that 3000 CD19 molecules per cell was a preliminary cutoff that separated responders and non-responders quite nicely. Um, another example, even in the solid tumor setting where fresh biopsies can be preserved and dissociated in the lab and then run by flow cytometry, we've looked at, for instance, PD-1 checkpoint blockade and found uh, with collaborators in Japan, as published in Nature Immunology, uh, ratios of PD-1 expression levels on regulatory T cells compared to CD8 effector T cells that are much more predictive of response than just looking at PD-1 expression overall by IHC. So those are a few examples of where flow cytometry can take you. And it's also worth pointing out there are you know, many existing clinical biomarkers from flow cytometry, including absolute counts of CD4 T cells in the HIV AIDS world, as well as measurements of, of minimum residual disease in various leukemias and lymphomas used to monitor treatment efficacy and, and switching therapies. Yeah, so Scott, just to kind of add on there, you know, thinking about the therapeutic modalities that are being tested today, so many of them are in fact based on, on modulating the immune system, right? Be that quote unquote revving it up in terms of oncology or uh, quote unquote backing it off in, in terms of autoimmunity. And as we've discussed, a lot of the flow work that we do at Q Squared Solution is in the context of exploratory endpoints within clinical trials. So we're frequently asked um, for the following types of flow assays. We want to assess target engagement um, through mono and bispecific receptor occupancies. We want to follow pharmacokinetics of, of various engineered cell therapy products. We want to identify biomarkers that serve as predictive surrogates of, of drug efficacy through immunophenotyping panels. And, and like you mentioned, we want to confirm efficacy through minimal residual disease panels, MRDs. So when it comes to these immune modulating therapies, you know, be those protein-based, which is where receptor or target occupancy would come in, or cell-based, where the engineered cell therapies would come in, we tend to be targeting a specific protein on our cell population of interest. So, so you can understand the value that CDX brings 
um, not only to confirming that expression, but to your point about the CD19 cutoff, um, being able to quantitate expression levels. And again, being able to drill down on the specific population of interest that is identified through a combination of multiple phenotypic markers. All right, so let's talk about why we're discussing flow as a companion diagnostics modality. What What's changed? So um, has the clinical development landscape for therapies and biomarkers changed in a way that favors flow? And what's pharma asking about? Yeah, Chris, I, I think that's exactly it. I think the drug development landscape really continues to evolve towards more personalized medicine. And, and as this happens, you know, biomarkers and their potential translation into companion diagnostics are playing an ever increasingly important role. And the regulatory bodies are, are pushing, perhaps even expecting that this co-development of biomarkers and treatments with CDX really becoming vital to uh, regulatory approval and, and clinical use. Um, you know, I think from a technological, a scientific, a regulatory perspective, we are at a place where a flow cytometry-based CDX does have the potential um, to become a reality. Scott, do you want to add anything to that? Yeah, I would like to add about the technical progress in flow cytometry. You know, that's 10 years ago, it was fairly difficult to standardize a flow cytometry assay across multiple laboratories around the world, which is something that's really required when we're thinking about a companion diagnostic that might be required in you know, most geographies to get thousands of patients uh, onto a particular treatment. Today, it's not so hard. Today, it's something we do quite routinely with our own technologies from BD, including the, the BD Fax Lyric uh, instrument and, and, and other technologies that standardize the assay, calibrate the instrument to perform essentially the same over time and in multiple locations. We can standardize the reagents through, through drying down uh, optimized panels so they're stable for an extended time period. And we can even make the analysis very objective through automated uh, approaches. So every aspect of fluid cytometry has improved its standardization and this allows us to have high degree of reproducibility across assays across multiple sites. And these developments from the clinical world of in vitro diagnostic and, and lab developed test flow cytometry can now be deployed through a partner like Q-squared into clinical trial networks to develop the next generation of clinical trial assays and companion diagnostics. Once those, if those tests are successful, a company like BD has the global footprint in clinical diagnostics to really deliver that and support that as a commercialized companion diagnostic. There are thousands of clinical flow cytometers out there, trained laboratories uh, and global operational support. So it can really be a successful enterprise for the medical, the pharma and the medical community overall. Yeah, Scott, to your point, I think Q-squared Solutions is uniquely positioned to, to tackle this challenge with BD Bioscience. Given our simultaneous investment in both companion diagnostics and flow cytometry over the last decade, right? You know, we've built this industry-leading 
globally harmonized flow delivery network that we've discussed uh, that really provides the required framework for, for such an undertaking. And we do have extensive companion diagnostic experience around the world and have generated lab data to support successful submissions, of course, in the context of anatomic pathology and, and molecular technology techniques. I, I'll just point out that additionally, our parent company, IQVIA, is positioned to support the implementation of complete clinical diagnostic plans, including regulatory, commercial, market access advising for potential CDXs, um, as well as the ability to support commercial launch after regulatory approval. I'm curious to find out, is there a regulatory pathway for flow cytometry as a companion diagnostic? And if so, what does that look like? That's such a great question. I mean, generally speaking, in terms of the regulatory pathway, the landscape is complex and continually evolving, right? Not to mention different depending on which worldwide market you're targeting. I mean, just take, for example, the new European IVDR regulations as an example. So I think having a dedicated regulatory affairs specialist really allows us to navigate those, those shifting landscapes and pivot uh, accordingly. You know, specifically for flow, until last year when the Clinical and Laboratory Standards Institute issued guideline H62, which is essentially a consensus set of guidelines applicable to flow cytometry validations, um, be that supporting exploratory endpoints a lab-developed test, or, or CDX for that matter, a comprehensive set of guidelines simply didn't exist. So I think we're now at a place where the flow cytometry community is really starting to codify validation strategies based on intended context of use. Yeah, and let me just add to that. We've at BD been uh, developing and commercializing vitro diagnostic flow cytometry assays for over 20 years. Uh, what's new is there is companion diagnostics. There's not yet a flow cytometry companion diagnostic test approved, but we think we're perfectly positioned for that now. With the interest from the pharmaceutical community, the interest from the regulatory agencies to have biomarker-driven precision medicine, the capabilities and the technology of flow cytometry, and we've actually staffed our own companies who've also done PMAs for, for other technologies and companion diagnostics. So we think we're very well poised um, together with Key Squared's expertise as well to work with pharma and regulatory agencies and bring through flow cytometry and CDXs. To that point, can flow cytometry vendors support a robust commercial companion diagnostic business? I mean, what does that look like? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's that string uh, fits perfectly in, in our strengths as a flow cytometry vendor, long-time in vitro diagnostic company with GMP manufacturing, multiple manufacturing sites, global distribution and supply networks, global training networks, we are absolutely positioned to support, to bring new assays into the fold of that current commercial enterprise and, um, and stand them up. Megan, anything to add on that? Yeah, you know, I think we acknowledge the challenge and associated risks of what we're talking about here. But I think it's really about beginning the conversation, right? We want our pharma colleagues to know that we are thinking about this collaboratively. Um, 
Because in order for a flow cytometry-based companion diagnostic to move forward, it really is going to take a partnership among the pharma company, the lab, and the commercial supplier. So I think that's why we are positioning ourselves with this partnership to kind of move that conversation to the next level and leverage the framework and, and infrastructure we have in place so that when our clients do have the opportunity to move on a flow-based uh, CDX, we are poised to do, to do so. Megan McCausland and Scott Bornheimer, thank you so much for sharing your expertise today on flow cytometry as a possible companion diagnostic. I'm sure folks will take away a lot from this conversation. And uh, thanks again for your time. Yeah, it's been great to be here. Thank you all for listening and, and feel free to reach out on LinkedIn for any other questions. Excellent. I will add links to Scott and Megan's LinkedIn profiles in the show notes. And if you want to learn more, go to Q2 Lab Solutions. That's Q, the number two, labsolutions.com slash flow. Bye-bye.